car repair, the nightmare of the Western world. You don't know the difference between the catalytic converter and the powertrain, the carburetor and the camshaft. You've been ripped off endlessly by unscrupulous mechanics who've charged hundreds or thousands of dollars. You're sick of feeling like a complete idiot, and you just don't want to take it or pay for it anymore. Well, your life's about to change. Meet Pam Oaks, ASE certified and top-notch auto technician host, shop owner, and author of Car Care for the Clueless, or How to Make Money While Maintaining a Vehicle. She'll answer your questions and teach you how to talk car talk. Get under the hood right now with Pam. And welcome back to another episode. On this week's show, we're going to continue on with catching up with our maintenance, and that includes catching up with our email. Boy, have I gotten a lot of email asking me questions about maintenance items on your vehicle. So we're going to talk about that. And in studio with me this week is our gadget guru, Peter Sudak. He's going to help me out with this. And I'm sure that those of you listening out there may have the same questions. We tried to uh, get a consensus when we chose our five email questions of the week. And hopefully this is going to help you out and keep some green in your pocket. We're going to have some extra spending money if we follow these examples. And I'd like to thank our sponsors, Jasper Engines and Transmissions, 100% Associate Owned. Remember, if you're in need of an engine or a transmission, it's most likely cheaper to replace that part than it is to purchase another car. So ask for Jasper by name. So let's get on with our show here, and Peter, welcome. Thanks for having me in, Pam. Okay, our first email question is going to be from Joan. She's from Ohio, and Joan writes, How much air do I put in my tires? My mechanic says one thing, and my neighbor says that the pressure stamped on the side of the tire is what goes in the tire. Who's right? Well, if you got a choice between your mechanic and your neighbor... You need to trust your mechanic. Your mechanic knows much better how much air to put in the tires versus your neighbor. That's right. You know, a lot of people read an awful lot of stuff on the Internet, and the Internet is a great tool, but when it comes to professional advice, a face-to-face with a professional is your best bet. And in this case, of course, it's your ASE certified automotive technician at your ASE Blue Seal shop, your mechanic. That's correct, yes. Okay, the other thing that we want to talk about is the proper air pressure for your tires. How do you find out? Well, it's located on the inside of your driver's door jam, right, Peter? That's correct. It's different for every vehicle um, based on size of the vehicle, you know, whether it's a small car, large SUV, big trucks, they're all different. You got to make sure you follow that placard. And that'll give you the best tire wear. That, that's correct. And you know, some of them have a staggered tire pressure, meaning it might be 30 PSI or pressure per square inch in the front and 35 PSI in the back. So it's very important to yeah, follow that. Yeah, I've seen that on some European cars where they mm-hmm. have heavier air pressures in the back for design reasons. So yeah, make sure you follow those tire pressures. And remember, you need to be checking your pressure every four to five weeks. That's extremely important as well. And people don't do this and they really, really need to pay attention to this because not only is it for ride safety, braking, but it's also for fuel economy. That's correct. Because I know at your shop, you um, tell people to come in once a month, 
pick a day that they'll remember, like a birthday or something like that, and mm-hmm. just come in on that day every month, and you check the air pressure for free and make sure it's all topped up and everything's good. Exactly. And you know, it's so easy, and you don't even get your hands dirty. You just go in and say, please, top the air pressure off. And remember, all you need is what you're breathing, just atmospheric air, because there's some shops that like to push that nitrogen, and that nitrogen costs money. And what you're breathing right now is 79.9% nitrogen. And remember, when they fill those tires up, they're not hermetically sealed, they're not in a vacuum, and you're going to get atmospheric air in there. And they say that the best that you can get out of it is 85 to 90% nitrogen within that tire case. I mean, come on. Yeah, and they actually charge for that too. They try to make it look like a glamorous special. I've, I've seen some places that uh, charge like twenty nine ninety five to convert your tires from regular air over to nitrogen. Mm-hmm. And basically... You're just wasting $30. Yeah, you are because, you know, even the automotive manufacturers, they have trouble service bulletins out saying that if any benefit, they can't figure out really if there's any noticeable benefit whatsoever and just stick with what the manufacturer, the tire manufacturer says, the atmospheric air. Right, and as you said before, the auto manufacturers don't endorse it, nor do the tire manufacturers exactly. endorse nitrogen either. All this stuff is done at the dealerships, and it's not done at the factory. Or the aftermarket. Some of the aftermarkets are doing it now, too, unfortunately. Right. So keep that money in your wallet, save it, check the air pressure every four to five weeks, period. You know, the other thing about air pressure is the uh, TPMS monitors, uh, the Tire Pressure Monitoring System. And people have seen that illuminate on their dash. It looks like a little horseshoe with an exclamation mark right in the center of the horseshoe. And this means, hey, have your tire pressure checked. But you need to be checking it well before this. Right, Peter? Absolutely, because unfortunately, some people get a little too uh, a little too comfortable. Yeah, yeah, thinking, well, when the light comes on, I'll go check the tire pressure. By that time, the tire is going to be too low and you're going to be wearing it out prematurely and it's going to end up costing you money because you're going to have to replace the tires earlier. Well, you know, that reminds me of a story at the shop that this one customer, they had an issue with their TPMS monitor and they didn't want to have it fixed. And to make a long story short, they had a object in their tire and they didn't realize it. And well, guess what? They ended up buying tire. And actually, at the same time, we did fix their TPMS monitor. You know, I know things are tight with everybody's budget out there, but you let one item go, and then you let another item and a third item, and it just dominoes. Please, please, please keep up on your car. And it won't leave you stranded like it did this one customer because they didn't pay attention, and they got stuck on the side road, got towed in. Not That's worth right. It. No, it isn't. So let's move on to our second email question. It is from Mike from Florida. And Mike writes, How long can I drive with a check engine light lit on my dashboard? Well, you know, Mike, you don't drive with a check engine light illuminated on your dash. You know, you need to know why that light's on. That light's on for a reason. The vehicle's computer system, the multi-computer system, is telling you that it has picked up a fault and it needs to be addressed. That's correct. And there could be 
several different things causing that light to come on, but you definitely got to get it addressed to get it looked at because you don't know if it's serious or it might be just something minor. Right. And by a professional. By a professional. Yeah. Yeah. I know the parts stores um, offer a free check engine diagnosis, but they don't, their little scan tools don't go near as deep as the ones at the ASC shops do. No. Into diagnosing the actual problem. They just hit the, they barely just scratch the surface and say, oh, you need this part. So people go buy the part, then it doesn't fix it and it just snowballs from there. People don't realize that ASC Blue Seal shops, they have multiple scanners, computers to talk to the different types of cars. Uh, for example, we have a European. We have uh, one dedicated for a couple of domestics. And, you know, the software has to be updated every quarter, if not sooner, on a couple of the other scanners. People don't realize how sophisticated these scanners are. And it just, when you go to somebody with one of those handheld readers that gives you a code, well, that's a generic. When you get a professional scanner, which is thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to purchase, but still with that, you get a detailed data list of what's actually going on with your vehicle so the ASC certified technician can properly repair it and just not by a code that it throws off. Right, because when they do it at the auto parts store, they're just basically hitting a general area as to you know, what the problem could be, you know, it might say, for example, it may come up with a code for an oxygen sensor, just for hypothetical. Oh, everybody tells me it's the oxygen sensor, but that's why the lights there are. Could but. Be, there could be, you know, five, six, seven different things that can set that code. That's right. You know, instead of replacing the oxygen sensor, there may be another fault somewhere in the Vacuum system. Vacuum leak. Vacuum leak. Restricted um, fuel filter. Yeah. Yeah. Amongst others, so you need. That's why you need to take it to a shop to have it pinpointed instead of just having a general diagnosis. And you know, it's nice of them to do that, but they're not properly trained to diagnose it properly and pinpoint it properly like an ASC technician. Yeah, they're not an ASC technician, and no, definitely not. You're talking about saving money and having somebody do it for free. Remember, what you pay for is what you get free. It's important not to drive with a check engine light because you would not believe how much gasoline, how much money, how much miles per gallon you waste by driving around with a check engine light on. That's right, because not all the systems are operating properly. There's one system that's not operating correctly, and that can definitely affect the fuel mileage. Yeah, it's in default mode, yes. And you know, the other thing is... There's a solid check engine light, which, you know, you need to get it checked out as soon as possible. And trust me, if somebody tells you, oh, it's okay, you can drive with the check engine light on, no, they are so wrong, and you need to find another technician. But worst case is driving with the check engine light on, and it's flashing. You pull over. Yeah, you got some serious problems going on there, and that needs to be addressed, and do not drive any further. Stop the car. Because that repair, which could have been $100, is going to go into the thousands of dollars, or it's going to be a repair more than what the vehicle's worth, and just, you know, for, for what? 
For inconvenience, that's an inconvenience right there. Yeah, having engine problems. Just just one other point I wanted to point out. Um, when you were talking to me the other day, I remember a customer telling us that he took his car to an auto parts shop. Mm-hmm. And their scanner said he needed a crankshaft position sensor. Oh, yeah. But the car was actually in our shop getting looked at, and he came in and told us to put a crank sensor in mm-hmm. and do this, and that would fix the car. And in actual reality, the stalling problem was for coils and coil boots that were soaked with oil, and they were not allowed to fire, and that was causing the stalling problem, not the crank sensor. So there, there there's your prime example of auto parts stores diagnosing the problem for you he would have put a crank sensor in wasted the same problem wasted 70 80 dollars and the problem still would have been there exactly it's a good example i'm going to give you another real quick one before we move on with the next question we had a customer come in uh it was a new customer at the time and he said that uh his car was running rough the check engine light was on and of course we play uh, 20 questions and it finally got out of him that the check engine light was on for almost a year and i'm like why are you driving? But he continued to drive, was running rough, brought it in. He had this check engine light on for a year, and guess what? He did physical, mechanical damage to the car. Actually, one of the sensors malfunctioned, and it was it was the EGR valve, actually, on a, on a domestic product. And it was actually, the way it malfunctioned was blowing hot gas right onto the valve and it literally put a hole through the valve it was amazing yeah and of course then the valve collapsed and hit the piston and that was was all of his noise and yeah so he was in for something that was a couple hundred dollars now he's paying a couple thousand dollars for an engine so please that check engine light on your dash is there for a reason and it's not decorative and we need you to address it when it comes on because you're going to save money in gasoline, and you're going to save money in repairs, and that's found money in your wallet. So let's move on. We're going to go over to question three. And Linda writes, I'm always replacing my headlight bulbs just about every year. It doesn't matter what type. They just seem to go out, but not together. I have an older vehicle, but this has been going on even when the car was new. What can I do? Well, you know... Moisture has a lot to do with this. That's true. And how many times have we seen headlights that it looked like it was raining on the inside while it was sunny on the outside? Yeah, I've seen plenty of headlight lenses that are, they look like they've been flooded. Yes. So, you know, you can prevent this if that's the case, and which you unfortunately don't say in your note, but you can buy a clear silicone that goes around where the plastic headlight, the clear plastic headlight lens goes to where they have the solid piece in the back. Yep, and that'll definitely seal it up and keep the moisture out of there because once the moisture hits that hot bulb, it'll pop it instantly. Yes, exactly. You know, the other thing, too, that people don't think about is moisture getting in where the bulb connects into the electrical connector behind the headlight and you want to make sure that where the bulb is inserted into that electrical connector that there's no corrosion that'll make yeah, them pop too that'll definitely make them pop or to give a poor connection and that'll 
make them not work as well, even though the bulb is okay. You're not getting good connection in there. It'll keep it from not working as well. Exactly. And you know, another thing out there is a bulletin that has been going on and a recall that has been going on for years and years and years regarding exterior lighting on both foreign and domestic vehicles. It appears that both foreign and domestic manufacturers had used the same source to manufacture their headlight lenses or taillight lenses, and they've been having problems with it, and they're actually doing like a mini recall on it. So you can find out by asking your ASC Blue Seal shop, because it is in the trouble service bulletins on their Mitchell On Demand and their All Data, or your dealership, find out if your vehicle's in one of these recalls, because it is an ongoing problem. And, you know, considering a headlight can go from just $20, and then they have the newer ones out that have the amps in them, and they can go for two to $300, and then there's other ones that run around $1,600. Why take the risk? Yeah, especially the $1,600 ones. I, I know one person that had to get one of those replaced. He just about fainted. He just like, you got to be kidding me for a headlight, but it's one of those high-intensity lights. dealer item only, and there's nothing nobody could do about it. Nope. So you really want to make sure that these lenses are sealed. And like I said, clear silicon, you're not going to even see it. That's right. You do it properly. So let's go on to question number four. We're heading down the stretch here, and on question number four is from Paul in New York. And Paul writes, I'm a snowbird from New York. Do I need a different type of engine oil while I'm staying in Florida? Or do I just keep what I have in the car now? Well, Paul, you know, coming into a strange environment such as Florida, and trust me, I've lived down here for decades and it can get kind of weird especially with the weather uh it's not like up north but uh generally your car doesn't know any better keep the engine oil that you had serviced in new york in your car keep what you have do not let anybody tell you that just because you're in a different climate it has to be exchanged right peter that's correct the oil is is designed to handle a wide range of temperature changes. So if, if you're up north and and it's cold or down here and it's warm, the oil will handle both climates and there's no need to change one way or the other. No, you just make sure you have the proper oil weight that's required by your vehicle. And your ASC certified technician knows this, who installed it. And also, if in doubt, there's the little oil cap that the majority of them nowadays actually have the weight of engine oil that the vehicle requires. Yeah, if if it for some reason it doesn't have it on the oil cap, your, your owner's manual will tell you what to put in there. Mm-hmm. Yes, it will. Also, you know, check your engine oil and the fluid levels once a month, just like when you get your tire pressure checked. Always check your fluid levels. That's when you're going to catch things in the beginning if something's happening, and that's cheap repair. Yeah, just just. Basic, simple checkups. That's all, that's all it takes to do to keep your car running good. That's all it takes. And you know, while you're at it, when you do your oil change, when it comes time, again, even though you're in a different climate, just use exactly what the manufacturer recommends. You don't have to do anything else. 
and rotate the tires. You know, you never can rotate the tires too much. You can rotate them not enough, and then you're going to have tire wear, and you're going to be purchasing tires more often, but good rule of thumb, rotate the tires when you get your oil change. I can definitely cite two examples of rotating plenty enough. He, One guy I know, we put a set of tires on, and the tires were rated for 55000 He kept them rotated, and he got 52000 out of them, so that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Whereas the other day, a young lady, we put tires on, and she didn't rotate them, and she had to replace the front tires after only 15,000 miles. That's right. So me working in the tire area, I cannot stress enough to rotating tires. I cannot stress it enough. And you know, when you change your oil, this is why you need to have a good working relationship with an ASC Blue Seal shop or ASC certified technician. When you do your oil change, there's two services. There's a severe service and a normal service. And depending upon how you drive, the climate you drive in, and the way you drive, how far you drive, you know, stop and go traffic, so on and so forth, will determine if you are a severe duty or a normal driver. And, you know... I could be a severe duty driver, while on the other hand, Peter, if he lived next door to me, he would be, just on his driving habits, a normal duty driver. So you really need to have this good rapport with your certified technician and talk this over, and they're going to fit you with the best schedule. And remember, every manufacturer has a severe duty and a normal duty schedule for every model out there. So all you have to do is ask. And by asking and doing what you're supposed to be doing is going to make your car last that much longer. That's correct. And, yeah, with all the service intervals, they're different between the two, severe and normal. So make sure you follow that as well. And you know It makes you, a big difference. Right. And, you know, if your car doesn't require synthetic, that doesn't mean that you have to put synthetic in your car. Again, depending upon how you drive and how you use your car, and that conversation between your trusted ASC certified technician is going to let you know. And the other thing you don't need are all those additives. You know, you go into the auto parts stores, you go into the big box stores, you go into the grocery store, and you see all these engine oil additives. Well, guess what? If you do your service like you're supposed to, you don't need any of that. You don't need to be putting that in because there's a reason why that the manufacturer has you do specific things for your maintenance and let's stick with it and keep that added money in our pocket. So let's go on to our final question, question number five. So Ben from Ohio, he writes, how many times a year should I have my brakes checked? Well, that's a pretty simple one. Every time you have the car's, car's oil changed and the tires rotated, have your brakes checked as they They're right should there. automatically. That's yes. right. It's right there. You have your wheels off, so to answer your question, however many times you get the oil changed every year, that'll be how many times you have the brakes checked. Because one time they could be plenty good, next time something could stick, and the pads could wear out prematurely, and then you'll be ahead of the game, then you'll know That's right. ahead of time instead of waiting and then having other problems develop down the road. And even when you're doing your... Uh oil change and all that they're supposed to be checking that brake fluid 
And there's an actual device, I know we have them at the shop, that you insert into the brake fluid and it literally checks the condition of the brake fluid. So this is very important too because we don't want any moisture in that brake fluid. Is that the um, electronic device you were telling me about? Because I know they used to do it with kind of like a hydrometer, but... I... A litmus paper. Yes, they used to have litmus. litmus. Yeah, now That's it's right. electronic instead. Wow. It, it's That's... very, very nice. I got one in my box, too. That's I just pretty, love it. That's pretty impressive they can do that now. That's good. Well, you know, it's, it's just one of those services that needs to be performed because, remember, your brakes are your most important item on the car next to your tires because if you can't stop, somebody can get hurt or killed... Unlike if you have a mechanical, you know, drivability issue, if you can't start the car, nobody's going to get hurt or killed. That's right. Nobody's going to run into anybody. But yeah, that's a that's a wonderful thing. So they could do that at the same time. This should be zero extra cost because these pens are very reasonably priced and it just takes mere seconds to check it out. So make sure that they're checking that brake fluid too when they're doing your maintenance service. Another thing is that you need to have the brake material checked. Um, there's an actual tool that they sell on the tool trucks, like Mac Tool, and the tool actually fits in so you can measure brake pads. And they have green for good, yellow for they're starting to get down there, and of course red for you need brake pads. And it's a very useful item, especially when you show customers you know, the thickness of the pad which is on their vehicle because this is something you do not have to disturb any component. This just slides right in and it just it's a measuring device. Yep. And you, you just, can show them what a new pad looks like versus what's on their car. That's right. Then they'll get an idea of... Exactly. Like, oh, I didn't know brake pads wore down that much. Yeah, that's good. Exactly. And, you know, if for chance you have to replace... You know, a brake component, remember, you always replace it in pairs, no matter what. It's always in pairs. Hydraulic is always in pairs. And that's the proper way to do it. Remember, don't go cheap on your brakes. I'll give you an example. A uh, customer hated brakes, and you know the way the economy is, and I understand because we're all hit hard by it. They waited. And then they waited some more because we always just give them a heads up, one or two oil changes in advance to let them know right. what's going on so they can budget people need to know so they can budget but they kept on saying next time next time next time and you know the time before we said there's not going to be a next time you need to schedule when you can now well they didn't and they actually let the brake pad go down to the metal backing plate of the pad that dug into the rotor and then basically the friction was so hot that you could tell that they had a little fire because it actually melted the hubcap on one of the sides. Wow. Yeah. It got towed back like that. And, you know, we could say, we told you so, but, you know, a $150, $200 brake job turned into almost $1,000 because then at that point you're doing calipers, which holds the brake pads in, brake hoses, you're doing rotors, you're replacing the brake fluid because at that point, obviously, his little fire it got past the boiling point. What an expensive lesson. Just because they didn't want to take the time or they didn't budget because they knew it was coming up. You have to budget. Brakes are nothing to mess around with. If somebody no. tells you need brakes, do your best to save your money if you need to and get them done to avoid extra costs down oh, the road. and the towing. 
They had to pay for towing. And towing as well, yes. That. And that's not cheap either. The tow trucks, thank you, but I, your wallet doesn't. No, it doesn't. Well, you know, Peter, this has been a lot of fun. And thank you for helping me catch up on these emails. Well, I'm glad I could. I enjoyed it very much. And We're uh, concentrating on maintenance this month. And going through these maintenance emails was, I felt, one of the better ways to do that. Yeah, this is definitely a good way to do it. And I hope the answers to your guys' questions, I hope we helped you. I hope so, too. To budget for repairs and just stick with the basic maintenance and you'll be just fine. That's right. This is... Uh... Car Care for the Clueless. I'm your host, Pam Oaks, and thank you for joining us this week. And like Peter says, I hope this helped you out, keeping money in your pocket, money that you would have possibly spent not knowing these little tidbits. We just want to keep that going. We want you to be a savvy car care consumer. And most of all, we appreciate you for tuning in. And until next week, take care. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to come back next week for another edition of Car Care for the Clueless. And don't forget to look for Pam's book, Car Care for the Clueless, or How to Make Money While Maintaining a Vehicle. See you next week.